So if you want to open up the Bibles in front of you to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, we're going to look at these verses together. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Let's start our our conversation about sexual immorality and and sexual immorality in the same way that the Apostle Paul did. Here's, Here's what he said to the Thessalonians. Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God, as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. The Apostle Paul, he didn't have an axe to grind against the Thessalonians. I don't have an axe to grind against your foundation either. I'm not preaching this sermon because I think sexual immorality is running rampant in the congregation. Not at all. I'm simply here to urge you to go on to spiritual maturity and a life of sanctification more and more. This is the chosen text for today. And if sitcoms can talk about sex and marriage and make jokes about it, if we turn on shows like How I Met Your Mother and Two Broke Girls, certainly in the church we can have an adult conversation about these things here at Sure Foundation. So with that said, there's a moment in my life that absolutely scarred me, and it happened when I was a little kid. I was watching a movie that my parents didn't know I was watching, and I think it was one of the Terminator movies, but I can't be sure because I've never watched it again. And it was... It's burned and etched into my mind because this guy in the movie does exactly what Jesus says you should do in the gospel lesson for today. He did a little bit of gouging of his eye. Here's what Jesus says. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. So for a little kid, I I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know that Arnold Schwarzenegger was some sort of robot and that he wasn't really gouging his eye out. I thought it was really happening. The only reason I bring this up a traumatizing moment for a kid is because I want you to realize what Jesus is suggesting, the extreme measures that he has us taking to avoid getting thrown into hell. Now let's be clear, Jesus isn't suggesting that we self-mutilate and we hurt ourselves because we would have to remove our very heart before we would be done being thrown into sexual temptation. But what Jesus is suggesting and warning us about is that even a capricious glance or a touch in the wrong place merits and deserves getting thrown into hell. He wants us to understand the very real danger 
of sexual immorality. Jesus makes it clear, and so does the Apostle Paul. He makes it very clear about the dangers of sexual immorality. Listen again to what the Apostle Paul, and I want you to think about that, the dangers of sexual immorality as I read verses 3 to 8 again. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And in this matter, no one should wrong his brother, take advantage of him. The Lord will punish men for all such sins as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you his Holy Spirit. We're going to attack this lesson in, in three ways, a systematic way. We're going to first of all look at the dangers, the very real dangers of sexual immorality. Then we're going to look at the gift of God and the gospel message that God has for us. Then we're going to think about the counsel that God has as we think about sex and marriage. First of all, what is the danger of sexual immorality? The Apostle Paul is completely unambiguous. Here's what he says. The Lord will punish men for all such things. So God will punish us if we fail in regard to our lives of sexual sanctification. And Jesus can't be more clear about what that punishment is. He says a capricious glance, a touch in the wrong place, something that, that leads us to passionate lust, results in merits being thrown into hell. And you might be thinking, well, for such a small thing, a look, a glance, for such a small thing, a little touch? And the Apostle Paul answers, yes, God will punish all, all such things because it is a rebellion against God. A lustful look, a touch in the wrong place, is rebellion against God. And it is rejection of God's Spirit. Here, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He who rejects his instruction does not reject man, but God. It is impossible for a Christian to remain a Christian and yet cling and love to go against God's Word in this manner. We cannot, we simply cannot fall into bed accidentally over and over again thinking that it's okay. Because little by little, you will force the Holy Spirit right out of your heart. We simply cannot continue to have children with people who are not our spouse, or with someone else's spouse, for goodness sakes, and remain children, and re remain children of God. Because this repeated kind of sin is a rebellion against God, and it will force the Holy Spirit right out of of your heart. And we don't want to play that game. How long will the Holy Spirit remain in my life if I continue to love these kinds of sexual sins? Playing that game is kind of like walking a balance beam over hell itself, and you are no gymnast. The Apostle Paul says, God will punish men for all such sins. It is rebellion against God. That is the first danger of sexual immorality. But there's another danger 
Some people think that these kinds of sins, these kinds of actions are a victimless crime, especially when there are two consenting parties. But the Apostle Paul says, no, it isn't. These kinds of sins are always a sin against neighbor, every single time. It is theft from your neighbor. This is what the Apostle Paul says here in 1 Thessalonians. In this manner, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. I want to talk to the men for just a second, whether you're single or married. If you take advantage of a woman who you're not married to, you need to remember that that woman is somebody's daughter. You need to remember that that woman is someone's spouse or someone's potential spouse. And you have no business doing anything with her because she belongs to someone else. Women, same thing. If you take advantage of a man, she, you need to remember that she, that man is somebody's son. And that man is somebody's potential future spouse. And if you do something with him, you have robbed someone's future spouse. Furthermore, remember that all these people are blood-bought, redeemed people of God. They are precious to God. And who are you to take advantage of them? Sexual immorality is always rebellion against God, and it is theft from your neighbor. It is doing harm to someone else. It always is. These are the dangers of sexual immorality. But enough about that. I think we've heard enough of the law, haven't we? Now let's turn to the gospel. What, how does God react to sexual immorality? Here's what the Apostle Paul says. You might think that this whole section is all law, and it almost is, except for one little part. This is verse 8. He who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God, who gives you His Holy Spirit. That's present tense. Who gives you His Holy Spirit. Spirit. So none of you are sitting here in church today thinking, I don't want to hear this. I'm done listening to this. I'm mad and you're running out of the church. Why? Because you want to do what God says. You are people who have been gifted with the Holy Spirit. God who gives you His Spirit. See, the Apostle Paul, whenever he's talking about this topic, sexual immorality, in his other letters, he always brings up this gift, the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each one of you. Here's what he said in 1 Corinthians. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at price. See, here's the truth about God. Our God is a God who gives. He gives you the Holy Spirit. But He gives you much more than that. He gives you, first of all, His only Son who died on a tree for you, who redeemed you, who bought you, who forgives you for Jesus' sake. God is a God who gives. So this sermon, this letter, first of all, in Thessalonians, is addressed to Spirit-filled, people who have been gifted not just with the Spirit, but with the very Son of God, 
This letter is addressed, and this sermon is addressed to redeemed, baptized, forgiven, forgiven, spirit-filled, spirit-empowered people. So with that in mind, receive this counsel from the Lord. Hear, Hear what God says about sexual sanctification. And I urge you to follow this more and more in your lives. This first instruction from the Apostle Paul is addressed to married people and to single people. So this is a general counsel for everyone here. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. Most of the time in Scripture, the, the apostles and prophets say, flee from sexual immorality. But here the Apostle Paul says, avoid it. Well, how, how are we going to avoid it? This isn't rocket science here. We don't place ourselves in situations or drink things that are going to make us and help us make a bad decision. So you have to ask yourself some questions. Should I go to the bar with someone that I'm attracted to? Should I invite someone to stay overnight that I'm attracted to? Does anything good happen after midnight? If I allow someone to touch me in this way, what will happen as a result? Avoid situations. Avoid certain drinks. And what will happen? You will avoid sexual immorality. So the Apostle Paul says, avoid sexual immorality. There's one other thing, and this is, this is directed towards married people now. One way, and this isn't rock and science either, that you can avoid sexual immorality is to practice sexual morality in the privacy of your own homes. Enough said. Friends, who have received now this council this next council is really just for the single people here the people who are dating but married people can listen because they need to speak with their children about these things maybe not too in the um, not too distant future here's how, what the NIV says the NIV transit this translates it this way each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable not in passionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. Now there's a great diversity of opinion about what this verse means. There's many interpretations. The NIV provides three of them, and that's why I asked you to open up the Bibles before. In the footnote, you can receive two other interpretations, and from my own studies, I'm convinced that The Apostle Paul here is talking about dating. So I'm taking the footnote that says this, each of you should learn to acquire a wife. I know know that sounds a little bit antiquated, but let's understand that the Apostle Paul, he's using Semitic terminology where men and women are talking about acquiring a wife. We could maybe update the language to say it this way. Each of you should learn to date in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust. 
So God's will is clear for those who are dating. Passionate lust is not involved. It just isn't. Passionate lust is not involved. Well, what is involved for the Christian who is dating? Honor, the Apostle Paul says. And holiness. Honor is from God, and holiness is from God. So places and touches and things that lead to passionate lust are not from God. So men, those of you who are dating women, treat them like you would treat, you would want your future daughter treated. Don't treat them better than that. Treat them as a child of God. Women who are, treat, who are dating a man. Treat them like you would want your future son treated. Treat, actually treat them better than that. Treat them as the blood-bought child of God that they are. Never go against your conscience. Avoid sexual immorality and never ever risk pushing the Holy Spirit right out of your heart. Let's start where we began. There's a proverb that says this. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. There's two ways that you can receive this sermon. You can receive it like a fool would. And and you can get mad at me for trying to intervene in the privacy of your own life. And you can get mad at Jesus, and you can get mad at the Apostle Paul, and you can storm right out of the church. Or you can receive it like a wise person. And you can say, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. I know that you have. That's why you died. Lord Jesus, help me to live according to your will. Lord Jesus, thank you for this counsel from God's word. Lord Jesus, help me to live according to what you have given me in your law. Thank you for the Apostle Paul. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for a pastor who cared enough to say something. Now help me to live it. I know something about this group of people. Because God has given you His Spirit, you are wise. So how are you going to react to this sermon? I already know. Amen.